gods of the theater, smile on us. You who sit up there, stern in judgment, smile on us. You who look down on actors. And who doesn't? Bless this yearly festival and smile on us. We offer you some... Welcome to episode 10 of Thespis in the Green Room. We are your hosts, Bruce and Melanie. Hello. Hello. So, how were the Thanksgiving cranberries? They were good. We made them fresh, nothing from a can. And so you you made the cranberry sauce. No, no. My mom. <laughs> my mom made the cranberry sauce. Come on. <laughs> I, we went through this. How easy this was. I was peeling potatoes. All right. Okay. okay fair I was enough. helping. I just didn't actually make the cranberries. <laughs> okay. But they didn't come from a can, so you'd be very proud. Uh, yes, I am. I am. Very much so. Any standout dishes on your table from last week? Well, no, pretty much the traditional Thanksgiving fare. And, you know, and as far as I'm concerned, all of it is standout on Thanksgiving because, you know, we don't very often have a sweet potato casserole and mm. we don't often have the, the sausage stuffing that I like to stuff the bird with. And, you know, of course, the cranberries. We can't forget the cranberries. Yeah, so all those things are all very special and very traditional. And green bean casserole. We cannot have Thanksgiving dinner in our household without the green bean casserole. My daughter says that is a must. We must always have it and so we do you know and i like it too i kind of grew up with having it i, I want to ask you about that okay because there are so many different variations on that how do you do the green bean casserole well you know there's that traditional it's a cream of mushroom soup and all that jazz um and that's what we do pretty much too but we use we particularly like to use the golden mushroom soup it gives it just a little bit more depth and a little more, more color and of course you have your fried onions your turkey fried onions or you know any brand i guess you can use but your fried onions that you kind of mix in with the casserole and then you put them on top and all that kind of thing i like to, to saute some mushrooms also kind of beef it up a little bit with some more mushrooms but you get daughter, fancy well you know that's fancy <laughs> my daughter says no that's not necessary leah's like you know we don't really need that and so sometimes we do sometimes we don't but but at any rate it is always part of our table is the green bean casserole you know, can't have it without it. She was just saying to me today, she was like, so what dish, you know, could you, do you absolutely have to have, you know, at Thanksgiving? And I'm like, I don't know, pretty much all of it I think you have to have. <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, can you imagine, you know, Thanksgiving dinner without um, mashed potatoes? No, I can't. She goes, I could. I mean, if there's other things. But, but some people, you know, that's not important. But I like all of the traditional elements. I actually cook Thanksgiving dinner in the UK last year ah. for my roommate and myself. Um, cause she was, so for two people. Yeah, okay. she's Polish, <laughs> okay. and she'd never experienced sure. American Thanksgiving. So you stuffed a chicken, did you, or did you stuff a turkey? <laughs> we didn't deal with the bird <laughs> okay. um, because the grocery store did rotisserie chickens. Oh, those are so nice. So we yeah. just picked up rotisserie chickens okay, for the bird. Okay. But I did all the side dishes. I did the green bean casserole. I did the sweet all potatoes, right. and I made a pumpkin pie. Very nice. But I have to say this. I had never, I don't think I had ever made a pumpkin pie before. I had done Thanksgiving, when I lived in New York, I mm -hmm. cooked Thanksgiving twice. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think I did a pie. I don't remember ever doing a pie before. So I managed to find some Libby's canned pumpkin. Right, there you go. At the American food store That's in London. Funny. And I did all the sides and the pie, that was the biggest challenge because I wasn't going to make a crust. Um, so I got a crust mm -hmm. from the store. The only kind of crust that you can find, though, in the UK, <laughs> the pre-made crust like mm -hmm. this, or yeah. at least this has been my experience, was graham cracker crust. No, you can't put <laughs> pumpkin pie in a graham cracker crust. Well, I did. Oh, gosh. But it's a bit of an epic story, though. So, Wait, so did I hear this? Did you drop the pie? <laughs> You're ruining oh, my no. 
I remember now you're telling me. That. Yeah. Thanks for killing my punchline, Bruce. Yes, I dropped the pie. So we didn't eat the graham cracker crust oh. pie anyway because, okay, so London apartments, as mm-hmm. a lot of big city apartments, are incredibly tiny. Right. And when I opened the oven door, I couldn't stand directly <laughs> in front of the oven. So oh I was gosh. off to the side. What a picture. And I had... And this was probably a mistake too, but I wasn't sure. It was complicated, and I had the I had the pie on a cookie sheet. Right. Uh oh. In the Say but no it was more. still in it its tin foil. Yeah, I could just see it sliding. And that's what right. happened. Yep, I pulled go. it out, and I didn't because I wasn't straight on. I was off to the side, so it just slid oh, right off no. the cookie sheet and upside down onto the kitchen floor. Gosh. And there was my my beautiful pumpkin. Did you pie. cry a little? I let out a squeal like nobody had ever heard. Oh no! It was oh, all. It was wow. very tragic. So you didn't get any of it. I well, mean, I couldn't fit all the mix oh, in okay. the pie crust, right, right. so I still had some pie mix right filling the filling yeah yeah so i cooked that okay and just in a glass bowl so oh, okay. we had a crustless pie there you go. that's all right because <laughs> it's kind pie. of like a custard you know type of thing a pumpkin yeah. custard yeah so you got the gist yeah and it wasn't really gonna be because it was in a graham cracker crust it was would have been really... wrong you would have been eating and going this is not right you know yeah that's all i could get though yeah. i had built up how awesome thanksgiving dinner is and the pie and the green bean casserole well you had no pie so you know well kind of pie my glass bowl pie but all this stuff the green bean casserole the sweet potatoes the cranberries is this a show about the i know we've, we've gotten off we've gone off the rails with the food that's, that's okay because you know you can't have life without food so you know oh my goodness okay let's <laughs> right. let's curb Regroup, this holiday meal back. conversation okay where we'll are we going? Where we'll we going? see how I edit this. <laughs> don't know if we're going to have all this stuff. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Randomness. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let's be talking about theater people. Yeah. All right. Back at theater. it. Theater. Today, I have got a holiday treat to share. Ah, uh, back to the food. <laughs> no. It's not edible. He's okay. not edible. <laughs> no, take a bite. Right. I recently sat down with Adam Sanders, director of the Spartanburg Youth Theater. They open the best Christmas pageant ever tomorrow, November 30th, with two public performances and then offer two more on Saturday, December 1st. Ah, and it is one of three productions happening in the upstate this season of the best Christmas pageant ever. It's a very popular one, this one. Mm-hmm. It is. And Adam and I discussed that, why this show is so popular. Excellent. Well, I know Adam as well. We did a show together actually last fall, Legally Blonde at the Spartanburg Little Theater. So I got a chance to get to know him a little bit better. And he is very passionate about um, working with the youth and rightfully so. It affords wonderful opportunities for young people to experience theater there. It's truly a gift to the community. Oh, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Melanie, let's unwrap this interview, shall we? (laughs) Okay. But first, a holiday message. Ah, excellent. This holiday season, Thespis will sprinkle a little joy by including holiday messages from our theater community in our episodes. You'll hear from playwrights and actors, theater companies and fans from the upstate of South Carolina, 
and all around the world. If you would like to send a message to Thespis for a chance to be included in one of our episodes, go to speakpipe.com slash thespisg and record your holiday greeting. Please see our Facebook page for more details. Hi, this is Kelly Davis. I sing Alto 2 with the Greenville Chorale. Our Christmas concert is December 18th at the McAllister Auditorium. Happy holidays, everyone. This might be a pool like I've read up in books Connected to one of those underground brooks An underground river that starts here and flows Right under the bathtub and then Who knows? It's possible Anything's possible It might go along down where no one can see Right under State Highway 203 Right under the wagons, right under the toes of Mrs. Umbroso, who's hanging out clothes. It's possible. Anything's possible. The Spartanburg Youth Theater opened its first production, a puppet show version of Hansel and Gretel, in 1972, under the direction of its founder and my friend and teacher, Mary Nicholson. Over its 46 years, SYT has produced 201 shows, in addition to offering countless classes, workshops, and camps for children. The Youth Theater's unique selling point is that it's children's theater made by children. Children and teenagers execute all aspects of the production, including onstage roles, backstage roles, as well as props and set construction, costume organization, light and soundboard operation, and stage management. Of course, there are some adults that are helping along the way, and we have one of those adults here on today's episode. We welcome Youth Theater Director Adam Sanders. Adam, welcome to Thespis in the Green Room. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Adam, we are both products of the youth theater, yeah. having participated in productions and classes when we were kids. It gets actually a little more specific than that, because for both of us, our very first youth theater show was A Christmas Carol. I didn't know that until you told me that. <laughs> I didn't realize that was your first one, too. So I thought we'd have a look and see what other youth theater shows we might have in common. The SYT website has the history of its productions posted, and I thought we could have a look. Yes. And here's a printed copy for Love you it. and let's just see what else we may have uh we may have both experience now i highlighted mine so oh okay you, uh, there we go okay let's see you go to that you have to go all the way to the back page <laughs> that's how old i am that's awesome <laughs> okay so definitely christmas carol yeah that was the first one for me let's see mm, they so they did wind in the willows when i was around but i didn't i never actually did it mm-hmm. um james the giant peach well, I directed that one here. Okay. So I wasn't in it, but um, fun story. <laughs> I saw a school show version of that when I was in um, elementary school. So that might have at, been the at production. The yeah. Was that, that out of the David Reed? Out of the David Reed. You so might have, have seen me yes. in that. Yeah, I'm sure I did. <laughs> what did you play? I played the centipede oh, with all yes. the legs. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome. So I've seen you in oh youth theater. Gosh. Isn't that crazy? You've seen me on stage. That, um, that is hilarious. And then, yeah, so I don't know if we've we've ever, other than Christmas Carol. Right. Okay. Most of these I was on stage. And then back here, the the, the most recent one in 1999, <laughs> that's a reason. <laughs> that was actually, I directed that. Oh, nice. Okay. That was uh, me directing. Uh, Mary Nicholson was still running the show yes. then, and she hired me to direct because she knew me. That's so cool. From my days on stage and yes. at Converse because she was, she was a professor at Converse oh, as well. Oh, cool. So. And you had her there too. Yeah. 
so, so cool. yeah mary and i go way back way back. man <laughs> i love mary it's so cool that mary's still around too to get to like i had lunch with her um I had been in the job for maybe a year, and I just had uh-huh. lunch. Just my jaw dropped the whole time. Just the stories she has oh, of this gosh. place, the history. And I'm so grateful that as I'm still running the program that I still have her as a point of mm, reference that I can yeah. call and be like, hey, why did y'all do it this way that time? You know? Right, right. And she's got perspective that helps me. Absolutely. You know? Well, occasionally we have lunch or we mm. um, exchange emails or talk on the phone, and I'm still getting tidbits of wisdom and guidance. Nuggets. and yes, Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. She's a wonderful lady. When did you come on board? What what season was so your I first was, season? Let's see, two. So 2002. Okay. So Christmas, the Christmas Carol in 2002. Okay, so that's, did, that was your first show as an actor. That was my first Christmas Carol, yeah. I was Fred. I was the nephew. And then uh, Hobbit, Peter Rabbit, Ghost of Canterville, mm-hmm. Ransom of Red Chief, Best Christmas Pageant. Oh, you've done? Then, yeah. You've so done I've the one in. we're going to talk about today. Yeah, I've been in it too. Nice, so, nice. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, 2006 was when I graduated, so... Okay. And so I got to it, start the youth theater with Christmas Carol and end. So I played Scrooge uh, 2006. Oh, so, that's so cool. You isn't book, that crazy? You bookended book your, your acting career yeah. at the youth theater. It was really cool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love so, that. I yeah. love it. And when did you come on board as director of the youth theater? So that was two, uh, about, so it's been three years now, so 2015. Okay. So I was guest directing here uh, into earlier that year. So February of 2015, I guest directed Honk. And then I had already been on board to direct the Christmas show that same year. Uh-huh. And then it was while I was directing that, it was the night before Christmas, that the job came open. And that's kind of when it awesome. when I took on the job. Yeah. So yeah. How, how many shows did you direct before you became... The person in charge. Before I became in charge. So two here. But okay. I directed at the South Carolina Children's Theater and right. I directed various various places before that. But here I directed two shows and then came on board as the quote unquote in charge. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And for our listeners, uh, the South Carolina Children's Theater, which he references, that's over mm. in Greenville. Yes. And they do amazing work. How many shows did you do over there? So I performed in three there. Uh-huh. I taught there for about five years. I directed a second stage production, and I also choreographed a second stage. I directed their Glee Club, and then I also did their touring show. Uh-huh. The Children's Theater was like my grad school, I say. Like right. It really was like where I learned everything that made me qualified for mm-hmm. the job now. But there is a, a, a marked difference between the Spartanburg Youth Theater and mm-hmm. the South Carolina Children's Theater over in Greenville because they use adults yes. in their shows. And yeah. do they use adults backstage for things as well? They do, yes. Okay, so there's a lot of adult in- yes. involvement. Absolutely. Whereas the Spartanburg Youth Theater, it's yeah, all kids it's all, all the, kids. the time. Yeah, so yeah, the ch- so uh, most children's theaters across the, the U.S. are going to be casting age appropriately. So mm-hmm. if it's an adult in the show, then they're going to cast an adult appropriately aged. But yeah, the youth theater, we use all kids. So the actors in our shows are 3rd through 12th grade. And then the crew backstage doing lights, sound, flies props spotlight microphones stage managing those are all seventh through 12th graders so they literally run the show i mean they're the ones in the booth calling the show you know so we have the adult staff so it's me the technical director peter lamson zoe sneed the associate technical director and between us and then you know i hire directors and and guest directors and choreographers but the Mm -hmm. kids are the ones doing doing it all oh that's amazing and i think that's how we became so awesome (laughs) (laughs) right i seem to think so thanks mary nicholson for setting it up that way yeah Um, but you know what's funny is like i'll um the kids take so much ownership 
because it's theirs. Yeah. They're, they're proud of it. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. they're not just little pawns that we get to move. They're the ones creating it. Right. And our set builds, the kids are required to be there for set build and load in. So they learn how to paint and use an electric drill and, mm-hmm. and all these things. They own it. And, mm-hmm. and then as the kids get older, then they get to start stage managing and then they get to start really being role models. And so I just remember, and I'm sure you do, I cared about this place so much. Right. Every production, everyone knew about it. Everyone, all of my friends knew it was happening. I remember my parents saying when I started doing youth theater that like something inside of me just clicked and changed. Aww. And I think it's because I wasn't just doing theater. I was helping produce it mm-hmm. in the eighth grade, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And I think it's just it. Kids, kids want to be empowered. And when Absolutely. you give them empowerment and you give them and trust them to do things, it's unreal what they can do. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. It really is. And it just builds stronger more aware adults. Yes. Responsibility. Some of these kids want to go on and pursue a career in the arts. Others have no desire. Mm-hmm. They just do it because it's fun. Mm-hmm. But they're learning responsibility. They have to mm-hmm. be at rehearsal on time. They have to know their lines on time. They have to know where they need to be backstage. It's not just about creating artists. It's about teaching the kids responsibility. I have a, a freshman in high school who just stage managed a show. You've stage managed before. It's yeah. not easy. No. At all. <laughs> no. So then to let a ninth grader do it, by the time she applies for college, she has a stage managing on her resume, you yes. know? It builds them in ways not just about the arts, and that's what I love about it. So tell us a little bit about your journey. You've been speaking a little bit about how you grew up in the youth theater, but what happened after that, and how did you end up back here and now yeah. running the place? It was just like this happy marriage of being at the right place at the right time and mm-hmm. kind of doing the work. So I finished, I graduated in 2006. At the time, like I think as a lot of artists, I was too scared to pursue theater as a career. I knew I loved it. I knew I had a passion for it. But no one at 18 years old knows what they're going to do. Like Mm -mm. I just, (laughs) I can't imagine like having moved to New York and gone to theater school in New York at 18. Are you Mm -hmm. kidding? I would have fallen off the rails, I think. So for me, my path took me a while. I kind of avoided the arts. Not avoided, but I was like, well, that's not a career. I can't have a career in that. So Mm -hmm. Give up that dream. And so I went to a school, a small school, Erskine College, in the middle of nowhere, due west, <laughs> South Carolina. 600 students, super wow. small. Yeah, oh yeah, we're talking like super small. And you know, a school like that isn't for everyone. It was perfect for me because I went to Dorman High School, class of 700 or something yeah. like that. And the theater was my home in high school. I barely did anything at the actual school other than just mm-hmm. go to class. Mm-hmm. And so going to Erskine was perfect because it was a small, intimate environment. All my professors knew me people knew who I was. Like I had, oh, that's the musical theater guy. And so through there, I had a professor, Dr. Shannon Jeffries, who was just the most influential person in my career because she saw my love for it. It was senior year. I want to put together this cabaret concert kind of thing. And I want it to be about change. And I have all these songs. And she was like, cool, do it. So she approved me to do this kind of independent study. So for the entire month of January, I put a show together. I found friends. I cast it. We put it together, I choreographed it, I staged it, and that was the moment that I was like, oh man, this is what I want to do. Too bad I'm about to graduate and I'm majored in Spanish, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but Dr. J saw that passion in me and she mm-hmm. gave me opportunities. And then that spring for the spring choral concert, she wanted to do a show and she wanted to do Godspell. She's like, we're going to do the full show and I want you to direct it. So oh, wow. because I went to this small school where they knew me, I got an opportunity to direct a show that that what happens for grad students at a big university. Right. You know what I mean? Like very rarely do undergrad students get to direct a full production. Right, right. And so 
it was because of that. It was because of that small school experience mm-hmm. for me. I didn't go to major. I didn't go to get a BFA. I didn't go to some fancy theater school, but I got so much opportunity there that confirmed why I loved mm-hmm. theater. It was through that that I graduated college and I had kind of been involved with other theaters in the area and Betsy Basson at the South Carolina Children's Theater All right, had yes. seen me in a show and I got my first gig there. And then circumstances brought me back to Spartanburg. <laughs> and as I moved back to the area, got contacted the youth theater. The opportunity was there. And, mm-hmm. and there I was three years later. I've been here and it's just it's that's kind of the, the journey. I definitely had a non-traditional path to get here. Right. And that's why I just believe so firmly in telling kids that there's just not one way. Like uh, I am yes. living proof of that. There are definite times where I wish I'd gone to theater school. I wish I'd gone for theater or gone to school in New York. But, you know, I have my own version of, quote unquote, making it. it may not be on Broadway, but that doesn't mean you didn't make it. I'm working full time in the arts. But I love what you're saying about that kind of, quote, non-traditional yeah. path. I, because there is no right way or mm. there is no this is how you do it. It really is a different story for every single Everyone. artist. But I didn't know that growing up, you right. know? You take the kind of that Hollywood dream yes, thing and you exactly. think, well, that's what it's supposed to be mm-hmm. like. I'm supposed to go to L.A. or New York and yes. hustle and then I'll get my big break and mm-hmm. then I'll be set. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work. It doesn't even work like that if you're one of those people who goes to New York or LA and gets a big break because it doesn't stop after Mm -mm. that break. It's just about creating art, you know. So I'm thankful for a town like Spartanburg that Mm -hmm. loves the art so much. Mm -hmm. And the upstate, really, Greenville, and, and just people are supporting art, people creating art. And that's that's essentially what it's about being an artist. Right. It's not about being on Broadway. That's no. great for a very small few. <laughs> right, exactly. For for me though, I get to create art and that's I get paid for it, you know? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Why are theater companies for children so important? Mm. We've touched on that a little bit, yes. but I just if you could speak directly to that. What I love about children's theater in general, so taking the fact that we use kids in our productions, but just theater targeted to kids, Mm -hmm. this is their first introduction, or most of their first introduction into the world of theater. And you watch a kid at a movie theater, it's a totally different beast than watching them watch a live play. Right. They engage in a different way. Live experience is so different from a movie. And so kids get to come watch a show that is safe. It's not parents don't have to worry about there being inappropriate content or having to shield them from certain words or whatever. They get to come to a safe place. It's for kids. They're going to be fine and they get to engage and they feel a part of it. And live experience is so important. My parents, I was blessed with parents that enjoyed live things with me. We went to movies, we went to sport events and they took me to live theater. They allowed me to experience that. And I think that's why children's theater is so important. It's a place where the kids can come and experience that for the first time. And so for some, it's just a fun memory with their family. Others, it sparked a love and career that I'm in. But it's so important that that's that place. And I think that's why it's important. Mm -hmm. And then you add the fact that we use kids in our productions. And I think it makes it that much more real for the kids in the audience Mm -hmm. because they see, oh my gosh, I could do that. Or maybe I don't ever want to do that, but it's really fun for me to watch someone my age go do it i just that's why i believe in the power of theater yes there's something about live theater it creates an instant energy (sighs) in the room in the auditorium or the space where you're watching the production and i I think children especially are more sensitive than than adults we as adults we've learned to block out and and for sure okay we've so but kids are still open Mm. to these energies and these imaginations and you know they can tap into that Sometimes you see those who are very serious actors kind of turn their nose up to children's theater. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that it's not a legitimate art form or that it's they're not using their Uta Hagen training with <laughs> children's theater or whatever. But 
I think it's just such a false a false idea. Children see are some of the best training in the world. Children are also the harshest critics because they'll just say what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you're not fully invested and 100% in it and in your character and believe what you're doing, you lose the kids immediately. Right. You start hearing it in the audience. They start to wrestle and they start to lose interest and attention. Mm-hmm. And so it is such great training. And that's why children's theater is important too. I mean, it is. How often do you get to play up animals? Right. Like, you know, Susical, you're playing an elephant. You're playing a, a bird. I mean, that's... That is flexing muscles, literal muscles of playing the physicality of an animal. And then also, you know, like mentally, it's flexing flexing that muscle of how do I portray this character and make them still lovable and relatable? Mm. But it's an elephant. So how do I <laughs> how do I make it resonate with others? And so it absolutely is legitimate in its art form too. It's not just a cutesy little show. The reason it's good is because it takes just the same amount of time and approach and care to mm-hmm. craft a character that's an animal, mm-hmm. to craft a character that's... So I always hate it sometimes when people think, oh, that's cute, little youth theater. I'm like, no, it's, guys, it's legit. Like, you're Mm going to learn things here that you wouldn't get to learn when you're not working in such a high stakes environment. I think like most children's theater, like all the plots are very high stakes and very, very absurd. But uh, you have to have an energy to to keep that up to make it believable. And when I did the touring show at the children's theater, I I played a, I think he was a first grader or a second grader. Man, the the uh, endurance it took as an actor. Mm-hmm. Like I had to learn endurance because if you ever watch a first grader, they literally don't stop moving. Right. <laughs> you yes. know? Yes. And to play that as an adult, I was like, whoo, man. So there's so much about children's theater that is so important for the audience and for them getting to experience that. But for actors, man, it's a, it is a, uh, a craft and something that you have to work at. It's just yes. as legitimate in its own way as mm-hmm. like Shakespeare, as sure. a serious drama, you know? know it takes integrity to pull it off and to make it legitimate I and know. i think the imagination too because when yes. you are playing these crazy yes. creatures and animals and make believe animals mm-hmm. sometimes you really have to work your imagination yes and the artisans that work on it the set designers the costume yes. designers they have to stretch their talents as well make to, it believable to, because it is so extravagant yes. and out there yes you can't just go pull a dress off the rack you right. have to build a bird or something you yes. know i mean it's it's intense yes exactly you get it yes <laughs> you understand i do <laughs> some I people do. don't but i just <laughs> i always have to go in my children's theater soapbox because i'm like it's legitimate guys it is a legitimate art form it <laughs> is know? it is so. very much so and yeah. we definitely need it yes. in, in the world and in yes. our communities absolutely and it's where it all starts a lot of times people start their careers in children's yes. theater or at the very least patrons start seeing shows exactly. when they're kids yes exactly so whether you're going to be on stage or designing for the stage or directing for the stage or producing or just attending the appreciation starts when you're a kid yeah most families don't take their kids to see king lear They take them them to see the best Christmas pageant ever. (laughs) So it has to start there for sure. It does. It does. Hi, I'm actor Kyle Kerr, and I'm wishing everyone a Merry Christmas. So the Spartanburg Youth Theater is a division of the Spartanburg Little Theater. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about how that relationship between the two organizations works? Works, absolutely. So uh, so the Spartanburg Little Theater is Spartanburg's community theater. Mm -hmm. They produce uh, six productions a year, and they're the ones doing the full-fledged two-and-a-half-hour productions. They have a good programming. Every season, there's usually a show that you could bring your family to, Mm -hmm. and then there's a show that's probably a little more geared towards the adults in the audience. And so that's the Spartanburg Little Theater. And then we, uh, the Spartanburg Youth Theater, serve as the education 
educational programming as well mm-hmm. as the youth programming. So mm-hmm. all of our productions, we do four productions a year, and those are under one hour. Mm-hmm. So all of our shows are always going to be under an hour. You can always look to us for the family programming. You don't have to worry about, is it appropriate for my child to come see? But we all function. So we're two separate organizations, but we're kind of all under the same umbrella, if that right, makes sense. Okay. So we work together for sure. I mean, I shared the office with everyone else who works for the Little Theater. Our technical staff works on both productions, or okay. youth theater and little theater. We share the same production staff. So we're two different names under kind of one umbrella. And one thing that's unique about the youth theater is that they offer the, the one-hour shows for kids, but you also offer in-school time performances. School time performances, we have six performances of each show, so mm-hmm. two days, so Wednesday, Thursday, they do performances. The schools come, and they get an enrichment guide with all the activities that are tied to the production, so we're able to offer that for every single show. So over 2,000 kids see a show over two days, and all of our shows are tied to books, so all of our shows right. are based off of children's literature, and so it's an easy no-brainer for schools to sure. come on a field trip to us. Sure. So That was always really enjoyable when I was a kid to get out yeah. of school to yes. do theater. I know, yeah, the kids. <laughs> The caskets to <laughs> miss stay. school as well. It's not really a day off yeah. because you're working hard. But, exactly. Um, those were kind of some of the best days. But they were days. fun. They're, yeah. Yeah they're, yeah. they're great days. So what are some of the big challenges of this job? I imagine there are many. Yes. <laughs> and it, a little different than maybe some other theater jobs because you're working with children. Absolutely. So I'll just be very honest. The, the hardest parts are never the kids. Mm. I think if that were the case, then I might be in the wrong career. So sure, kids can be tough sometimes. Kids can have attitudes. But they're kids. So it's my chance for me to teach them and have them learn from those opportunities. So the kids, even on their worst day, are never bad. I would say some of the biggest challenges are helping the parents understand how the theater process works Mm. can be difficult. Mm. It's hard for a parent to see their kid be told no. I can only imagine that your kid wants wants something so bad and auditions and then gets no. And Mm -hmm. they feel rejected and they feel like, well, what do they have against my kid or things like that? And I have found that it's part of my job to help educate parents of how the process works. Because as you know, as a performer and a director, that it's not a personal ever. It's about finding the world that you have in your head and what you're trying to produce on the stage and this vision you have for the show. You saying no to a kid isn't anything to do with them. It's that they don't happen to fit the world you're trying to create. And that's okay. And that's nothing against them. And you know what? They just need to keep working and trying and and auditioning. But it's hard for parents to see their kids upset. So I understand, you know, and they want feedback and they want to know what did they do wrong. And it's hard sometimes to be like, they didn't do anything wrong. They actually had an incredible audition, but they don't fit for this show. And so I have found, and I definitely have work to do in educating parents and how the process works. Mm-hmm. I think parents also underestimate how hard it is to audition. Yes. <laughs> if they've never done it. When you you have all the confidence of the world and then you get in there in a room and the director's staring at you and everyone else in the room staring at you and it, you freeze mm-hmm. and you choke up. And, mm-hmm. and so just painting that process through them. We have a closed policy. So all of our classes, rehearsals, dress rehearsals are all closed to the parents. And that's really, and, and I help them understand that it has nothing to do, nothing's going wrong, nothing's bad. But the kids need to say, safe place to not be observed. They just sure. need to kind of figure it out sometimes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes with a parent watching, I mean, I know when my parents are, I'm 30 years old and I still like, yeah. you know, when my parents are watching, I'm like, oh, I need, you know, right. it just, it puts a different weight to it. So sure. 
allowing the kids a space that's that's kind of free for a little bit to mm-hmm. just kind of let's try it out mm-hmm. let's mess up and let's move on you know so that's definitely a challenge because it can be hard when a parent's upset and when a kid's upset but that's definitely a challenge and then i would say the other challenge is just balance mm. theater i was telling you earlier <laughs> i yeah. joke artists are, are masochists like we sign up for pain and punishment because it is <laughs> it is a hard career it is you work late hours especially when you're about to open a show people who don't know the behind the scenes i mean the amount of effort it takes to get a show on its legs right is insane right <laughs> how we do it is still there are moments where i'm like wow we did that i blinked and i don't know how it happened right. so finding a balance to make sure that as much as i love theater and for the longest time it was just a passion and not a career but now that it's a career i have to take care of myself right and i have to shut off sometimes and i Mm -hmm. have to go on vacation even though i know it means i'm gonna have triple the emails when i get back those kinds of things make me want to i don't want to ever lose my passion Mm -hmm. and i've been around mentors and artists who are incredible and they've just burned out they're about to retire and they're just counting the days Mm -hmm. and i don't ever want to get there and i think the way i've got to do that is to just take care of myself Sure. And, you know, unfortunately, that's sometimes people need me at eight in the evening and I have to answer them tomorrow, (laughs) you know, putting up those personal boundaries for myself. And so I think that the first year of the job, I really had to learn the hard way because I almost unraveled and I'm like, I this isn't sustainable. (laughs) Right. And then I found it was simply taking vacation simply mm-hmm. taking a day off, simply taking an hour for lunch mm-hmm. to go outside and have fresh air and sunlight. Mm-hmm. Those are things that just make the biggest difference. So yeah. that's for sure been a challenge. And then just on a like practical level, um, it's so hard when you're growing and then we're in this beautiful Chapman Center mm-hmm. and it seems like we're still never have enough room for all that we want to do, right. you know? And so having to figure out the balance of, you know, the Chapman stage isn't always available to us. So Figuring out how we can maneuver, and it's very strategic. It's like a puzzle piece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Figuring out who can have the rehearsal space at this time, and all these things we want to do for the future, we won't get to do until we can find more space or until we can find an alternate way to do it. So, mm-hmm. those are definitely challenges of the job that I'll say Mary, who founded the program, never let us see. Right, and that was yeah. such a big thing that I have learned in this job. She never let us see just how much she did for us. And that was such a special leadership quality, I think, to not make it your kid's problem. All Every job has its hazards and its things that are tough that you've got to work through. And she, when I, I remember emailing Mary and being like, I just want to say thank you because when I was in this program, I never thanked you because I had no idea right. <laughs> everything you did to make this place run the way it did. And so I think that's just, that's just the, the part of it. I want to know, how do you envision the future of the youth theater? Mm, yeah. So what I see happening is so encouraging because I'm seeing new faces come in all the time. I've definitely in the past couple of years pushed to make sure that we're constantly giving new kids a chance. Mm. It can be discouraging to see the same kids on the stage. But at the same time, I don't want to talented kids are talented kids. So I don't want them to be punished, but I want everyone to have a chance. And so it's exciting to see new faces. It's exciting to see new parents coming. And so I'm seeing an excitement there. And so I think for future, I really want there to be more programming. I would love for us to have a residency program for schools where, you know, so many elementary schools don't have drama, don't have a theater program. I would love to be able to work out a program and get some grant money so that there are residencies 
and set up with the school. And once a week, they get one of our instructors who come and teach the kids theater. I would love to tour something to the school. Schools come to us. I would love to be able to bring something to the schools Mm -hmm. as well. And then really, too, one thing that's just become so clear to me that I truly, in my ignorance, just didn't realize. There is such an interest in kids with special needs to do Mm. theater. It's such an important outlet for them that creates something so special mm-hmm. and I want to be able to have uh, programming that can accommodate that mm-hmm. um, and instructors who can have the training to to give them what they need so I would love to see that as well mm-hmm. being able to just kind of expand who we reach and what we right. can do and then I just want our programming to continually be new and fun we'll always do the classics you're always going to see the classics but I still want kids to get to know new stories here as well I mean mm-hmm. it's just as important Toy Story is a modern day classic but at one time, I didn't know the story and got to experience it for the first time. Right. So I want there to be those things for kids here. That, among other ideas, we could talk in a whole another hour about sure, sure. my five-year and ten-year plan. <laughs> but <laughs> no, but those are really yeah. good, and I think there's a, there is a lot of room for expansion mm-hmm. in all those areas. I think there's a definite need for reaching a more diverse audience mm-hmm. and audiences that don't often get to experience the yes. theater because yes. of some limitations that yeah, might be in place for them. Yeah, that would be great. Mm. That would really be amazing. Yeah. So the Spartanburg Youth Theater has a holiday show opening this weekend, The Best Christmas Pageant Ever by Barbara Robinson. It is a Christmas comedy classic about the challenges of mounting the church Christmas pageant when the unruly and awful kids from the Herdman family must be included in the cast. This play has been around forever. I remember yes. this when I was young, I so that's the same something. <laughs> it's been around since I was a kid. So Barbara Robinson's book was first published in 1971, and the play adaptation premiered at the Seattle Children's Theater on November 26, 1982. And this show, it's always in high demand. I worked at Sam and French in New York for a while, and they are, as you would know, the publisher and the agent for the second class production rights for this script. And we got endless applications for this show every season. Mm. On the Samuel French website, I don't know if you've been there and seen this, but on the Samuel French website, you can see where productions are happening for shows. And they have all the upcoming productions of the best Christmas pageant ever Mm. listed. And there are 197 Productions of the best Christmas pageant ever. Sounds about right. (laughs) For this holiday season. And that includes productions in Alaska, Hawaii, St. Petersburg, Russia. What? I know, right? That's crazy. I know. And of course, three of those productions Mm -hmm. are right here in the upstate, including, of course, the Sparmer Youth Theater. What is it about this show, Adam? <laughs> Tell me, why is this show so amazing? You know, it's so funny. So like when I was going to pick the season and, you know, we always have to do the holiday show. So, if, you know, I looked back at Best Christmas. I mean, it's a no brainer. I was watching rehearsal last night and was just cackling out loud. <laughs> it is so funny. It is so funny because regardless of your religious beliefs or background, I think most people know the context of a Christmas pageant. It's right. the nativity story, the wise men and the, the shepherds and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so then you take this perspective of these kids, the herdmans, who are just these kids that in town that are just like rough around the edges. Basically, like we don't know a ton about them, but we know they might have a parent, but I think they're working jobs all the time. So, I mean, these kids are basically by themselves all the time. So you bring this fresh perspective of these kids who've never been to church, never been to Christmas 
pageant, they come in and they suddenly just start asking hilarious questions. When you think about a story most of us know pretty well and then you take someone who doesn't know it and all the questions that they ask because they're kids and they ask questions, it's just, it's hilarious. Mm. And so I think that's part of it. The message of that story is about realizing what the season means. Mm -hmm. And the Herdman kids, they go through this journey, as do the kids around them and the adults around them. And as the Herdmans discover the meaning of Christmas Mm -hmm. and the meaning of the season, and not just the religious meaning, but the overall humanitarian sense Being of what misunderstood too, right. considering someone who seems quote unquote less than you culturally right that that person was important mary was important but she was looked down on by sure. so many and judged by so many and the herdmans relate to that right. and i think in the holidays when we forget they can be sad for a lot of people right it brings up be. people that aren't here anymore that they've lost and and i think being able to remember who that we all just need love all the time mm-hmm. and christmas is that time to do it i agree i think that that's part of that message and mm-hmm. why just resonates yeah. so much with people. I think people grew up with the book. The book's right. been around what since the seventies? Yeah, seventy one. I think. Um, yep. And the the play the the author of the book also wrote the play. So right. there, I mean, when you read them, it doesn't get much better of an adaptation. I mean, sure. it is spot on. I'm just so excited about what we're doing with this production because it's done, like you mentioned, so often. It can be so easy to get burnt out with it, and it can be hard to kind of do something fresh with it because mm-hmm. you see it so many ways. And and so the director for the show, Don Byington, had read the book. She'd never read the script and as a lot of times love giving a director a show they don't know because it means that they have a fresh perspective mm-hmm. and there's no preconceived idea for them she decided to make it a period piece as the 1950s um, we're, we're setting it and a lot of times you'll see it done modern and so set in the 1950s all the music we're using is from the time period so you've got some of these you know being Crosby and, and things like that and music in the show and the set design is unlike anything I've ever seen for this show We've, hmm. we're, we're getting to see the town that it's in the set is a character in of itself in this show oh. too and it's going to have all your holiday snow you're definitely going to feel <laughs> all the holiday feels and, and walk away but as I was watching it last night I was just I said to Don I was like Don you have just made this fresh a Mm -hmm. show that can be so stale because it's done so often Mm -hmm. and so I'm just excited for people to get to see a new take on it and Don's just done such a great job of kind of adding some fresh life to it and that was that was something when I hired her to direct I challenged her I was like I want you to think about how we can make this show fresh and new without the same old same and there are elements of it that are familiar it's not like we've completely turned it on its head but there's just a fresh perspective to it. Okay, so clearly this is a must-see show. So yes. tell us, Adam, where and how can we see the show? When's it happening? So how do we, get to- we only have uh, four public performances. So okay. November thirty, Friday, November 30th um, at 4.30 and 7 o'clock. And then Saturday, December 1st at 2 o'clock and 4.30. Tickets are $15 for adults and $10 for kids. Super affordable. Kids are 18 and younger. We have a 20% discount for groups of 10 or more. Chapman Cultural Center here in downtown Spartanburg. And tickets are online at chapmanculturalcenter.org or 542-2787 is where you can buy tickets. And so they our holiday show always sells fast. So okay. as soon as you make the plan to go, get them quickly because they will they will go All right. very quickly. Get on it upstate. <laughs> get on it. Get on it. <laughs> Book those seats. Yes. Okay, great. And what's coming up in the new year for the youth theater? Yes. So I'm so, so, so excited to do our next production in February is Susical Junior. So Junior, anytime, if you ever hear Junior next to a title, really it just means 
means it's a condensed version of the full production. Mm-hmm. So the the normal full-fledged Seussical is probably about two hours, two acts with an intermission. Seussical Junior just pairs it down to about an hour and 10 minutes, mm-hmm. and it's kind of all in one go, so no intermission. And then a lot of times juniors will take the keys down for kids. They're kind of meant to be produced and performed by kids. Right. Okay. So, um, so Seussical is the first time the youth theaters ever performed it. The Spartanburg Little Theater did the full production about 10 years ago. I'm so excited for the kids to do it. They're like freaking out. Dr. Seuss was the master of a story and creating a world that was unique, but that you related to. And his imagination was just out of this world, yeah. you know? So the musical really instills that kind of imagination. It's going to be the biggest thing we've ever taken on. But, you know, I, I wanted to continue to push the bar of, of what these kids can do because yeah. it seems intimidating. But then when they pull it off, it's just like, what? They yeah. just did that. And it creates some legitimacy. When you take on those big monsters, as long as they're done well, it really just continues to, to help you. And the kids want to do those shows because right. they're familiar and they've yes. heard of them. And it's not some obscure, obscure story they don't know. And there's so yes. much room for imagination oh and creativity. Yes. In the world of Dr. Seuss. Yes. Oh, that's great. It's um it is most definitely something that you don't want to miss. It's I'm so excited for us to produce it. That'll be in February, I think February fifteenth and sixteenth. And you have classes and camps mm-hmm. and all kinds of other activities happening, yes. too. Mm-hmm. So what, what do we need to know about that? Basically, year-round, we do spring classes from February to April, and we do summer camps all summer long from the beginning of June till the first week of August. And then fall classes are typically September to November. And then we also offer audition workshops throughout the year. So mm. auditioning is one of those things that it can be really intimidating to mm-hmm. jump into if you've never done it before. So every show, the Saturday before auditions, uh, we have audition workshops. The director of the show is there. They work with the kids individually on their monologue or song, if it's a musical, give them feedback. And uh, it's a chance for them to kind of break the ice a little bit, you know, and have feedback from the director that they're then going to audition for later. Um, Those things sell like crazy too. They fill up so fast. So as soon as you're like our Seussical audition workshop filled up two weeks ago. Oh, right. (laughs) And it's not for like (laughs) another two weeks, but it's, we always offer that as well. So there's always programming. That's really, I think the audition, well, it's all wonderful, but the audition workshop I think that's super smart because mm. obviously with kids, a lot of them have never auditioned before. They have yeah. no idea what to expect. So here you can take them out of the high pressure environment of yes. the actual audition exactly, and kind of get them acclimated to what it's going to be like. And when... I think sometimes it's just uh, figuring out the culture of auditions. I've had parents be like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I needed to bring a monologue. I didn't know I was supposed to do any of this. Right. So And so the workshops really do allow us to kind of help them understand the culture of auditions. Sure. Yeah. Oh, that's great that you offer that. I love it. Okay, well, thank you so much for oh, taking the time so out and chatting me. with us. About Just so fun. Yeah. So, so fancy doing podcasts, don't you? Ooh, <laughs> it's <podcast>. like, ooh. <laughs> it's great. No, good stuff. Time to open your eyes and take a look around. There is no life I know to compare with pure imagination. Living here, you'll be free. If you truly wish to be Look, Charlie, down there, my factory, do you see? Yes, Mr. Wonka. I love my chocolate factory, Charlie. From Pericles. Come, thou shalt go home, and we'll have flesh for the holidays, fish for the fasting days, and moreover puddings and flapjacks. And thou shalt be welcome. Hi, Thespis in the Green Room. This is Jeremy Crawford, your actor friend up in Canada, wishing Melanie and Bruce and all the listeners a wonderful and joyous holiday season. Keep working on your art, whatever it may be, and share the joy that's inside you 
for all to see or hear. Happy holidays. Well, that was fun. Yeah, I love the connection that you all share with the Spartanburg Youth Theater. Yes, it was an incredible way for me to start my theatrical career. But moving on from the past and into the present, what's happening, Bruce? (laughs) Well, there are lots of shows opening this weekend. For a full listing of all that is offered this holiday season, we encourage listeners to check out last week's Thanksgiving Day episode, where we run through all the shows available in the upstate for the rest of the year. Yes, but here is what is coming up this weekend and in the early part of next week. Another road in another show In Philly, Boston, or Baltimore Now playing and show openings in the upstate of South Carolina for the week of November 25th, 2018. Currently playing, Cafe and Then Some presents Unhinged Holidays, Wednesdays through Saturdays, and adds Tuesdays in December. Alchemy Comedy Theater offers improv and sketch comedy shows at various times at Coffee Underground in Greenville, continuing Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays on into January. Opening this weekend, Market Theater in Anderson opens Annie, Thursday, November 29th, and runs Thursdays through Sundays through December 16th. Spartanburg Youth Theater opens the best Christmas pageant ever, which we've been talking about extensively, with two performances on Friday, November 30th, and closes with two performances on Saturday, December 1st. Gaffney Little Theater opens Ken Ludwig's The Game is Afoot on Friday, November 30th, and it runs through Sunday, December 2nd. Clemson Little Theater opens A Susified Christmas Carol Friday, November 30th and runs Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays through Sunday, December 9th. Abbeville Opera House offers A Laura Ingalls Wilder Christmas Friday, November 30th and it's running Fridays and Saturdays through December 15th with one Sunday performance offered on December 9th. Milltown Players in Pelzer opens the musical review Forever Plaid, Plaid Tidings on Friday, November 30th, and it runs Thursdays through Sundays through December 16th. Foothills Playhouse in Easley opens Elf Jr., the musical, Friday, November 30th, and continues Thursdays through Sundays through December 16th. South Carolina Children's Theater in Greenville opens the best Christmas pageant ever on Saturday, December 1st, and continues Sunday, December 2nd, then returns Friday, December 7th, and runs through Sunday, December 9th. And in the early part of next week, Bob Jones University opens You Can't Take It With You on Monday, December 3rd, and runs every evening through Saturday, December 8th. On Tuesday, December 4th, Sparkle City Improv will be live at the Growler House in Spartanburg from 8 to 9 p.m. Furman University Theater in Greenville opens The Servant of Two Masters Tuesday, December 4th, and runs every evening through Saturday, December 8th, and closes with a matinee on Sunday, December 9th. And we'll have more on that show in next week's episode. And of course, the Peace Center hosts the National Tour of Hamilton, Tuesdays through Sundays, December 4th through the 16th. Just a couple of quick amendments to our show listings. One production that just came to our attention, Logos Theatre in Taylor's is currently presenting a musical version of Charles Dickens' classic, A Christmas Carol. They run this weekend, Friday, November 30th and Saturday, November 1st. And then they continue Thursdays through Saturdays through December 22nd. Do note that they do not have Sunday performances. So check that out. And a quick... 
clarification on the cinema broadcast of the Broadway production of Allegiance. We previously announced the broadcast would be in cinemas on Tuesday, December 4th and Tuesday, December 11th. A slight adjustment on this. On Tuesday, December 4th, the Broadway show will not be shown in cinemas. What will be shown is a documentary film on the making of Allegiance called Allegiance to Broadway. And that'll be a fascinating behind-the-scenes peek on what it's like to create a Broadway show. And then on Tuesday, December 11th, the Broadway show will be broadcast as previously mentioned. So that's Tuesday, December 4th, will be a documentary film called Allegiance to Broadway on the making of the show. And then on Tuesday, December 11th, the actual broadcast of the Broadway production of Allegiance. Do Google that for more details. Phew. What a list. Oh, yes. And that's just the weekend. (laughs) I know. I need a break from just going through all those options. Not a problem. We'll pause now for a holiday message. (laughs) (laughs) Merry everything and happy always from Jen Allen Perry with Modern Real Estate Consultants. And next week, we have another conversation to share. We do. We'll have a chat with Doug Berkey. Doug is a master of mask and physical theater, and he is directing The Servant of Two Masters at Furman University, which opens Tuesday, December 4th. So we're going to talk with him. Yes. And actors are using masks in that production, and it will be a show told with physical comedy. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yes. And you don't see masks used too often in theater these days. So it should be really fascinating. Indeed. Hello there, theater people. We hope you are enjoying spending time in the green room. Want to stay updated? Like and follow Thespis in the Green Room on social media. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Thespis G. That's at sign Thespis G. T-H-E-S-P-I-S-G. Want to support Thespis in the Green Room? If you like what you're hearing and want to encourage us to continue conversations in the Green Room, you can become a patron of the show. Visit our Patreon page. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash thespis g and donate today no amount is too small and every little bit helps patrons will receive special content and audio extras through our patreon page check it out at patreon.com slash thespis g good night and thank you whoever we are grateful you found her a spot on the sound radio we'll think of you Special thanks to Dick Stevens of Stevens Magic and Fun. He can be found on Facebook at Stevens Magic and Fun. Thespis would like to extend a big thank you to our fellow podcasters, Teddy and the Baseman, for their help and guidance. Listeners can find Teddy and the Baseman at teddyandthebaseman.podbean.com or through podcast players, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Thespis in the Green Room is a Courageous Crossings production. Music used in this podcast is licensed by ASCAP and BMI. What comes next? You've been free. Well, that's all from us for today. So until next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.